are now on air. Good morning and welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast Live. It is Friday, the 5th of October, 2018. Happy Friday, everyone. Thank you for joining. My name is Edwin Frondozo. The Business Leadership Podcast Live. It's a live radio call-in show where I speak to business leaders, subject matter experts, and thought leaders to discuss the latest innovations, current events, or best practices that would help you personally and professionally grow. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. Many of you in our audience are business owners and entrepreneurs, just like your local State Farm agent. When it's time to renew your business policy or review the coverage that you have, it's worth it to reach out to State Farm. To find an agent, please visit statefarmagent.ca. State Farm Canada is becoming Desjardins Insurance, the same great agents backed by Desjardins. Um, thank you again uh, for joining us. Really excited to introduce my co-host, um, a returning co-host, actually, Aubrey Chapnick. And he's uh, Aubrey's an amazing um, professional. He's the lead associate at the, I mean, I think you're I actually, I'll get Aubrey to correct me because this is an older, uh, older information I have. Because I do believe Aubrey, I do believe you have a new role, but he also has many passions when it comes to professional, and and I'll, and I'll get him to do that um, quick intro when when we get started. And I, what we thought today, what me and Aubrey were talking offline, uh, we wanted to have a discussion on, you know, the current state of education. Um, how organizations are adopting, and specifically the gig gig economy, like everything, everything is changing. And if you are just joining us live, we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to ask us questions directly directly into the browser. And if you have any stories, with, whether it's regarding you know the education that you just completed, an organization, or how your organization is changing, or perhaps if the gig economy is affecting you and your company, we'd love to hear your story. Or even join our conversation. Aubrey, welcome. Thank you for joining me again. Really great to be back, Edwin. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm looking forward to round two. Yeah, round two. And I think I have round one description. And the reason why I know your your job title may have changed is I think LinkedIn, I saw a LinkedIn message and I might have congratulated congratulated <laughs> on you a couple of weeks ago. So so what's your role now? And uh mentioned uh, where you are, give them a shout out. Yeah, so uh, so definitely had a little bit of a job change, which is nice. I got promoted uh, to a, to the new role, which is great. Um, to the to the lead associate role, so you had that right um, at uh, Global Consulting Firm Willis Towers Watson. Uh, great team. Uh, really excited to be a part of the company. And uh, and yeah, my, my new role is really uh, around helping clients understand and solve their their business challenges from a people and strategy perspective. Doing a whole lot of project management, client relationship management, um, helping clients just uh, be more effective and and successful in the market. Oh, man, amazing, amazing. And Aubrey, what, what, why are we talking about this topic, education or, or organizations and gig economy? I know this is something that you're you're really passionate on some of the side projects you, you do as well. And, and it may relate to some things you do or, as well, but uh, let's get into that. Yeah, that, absolutely, Edwin. So the reason why we're here is really because, much like you said, I'm super passionate about these topics. And particularly when it comes to education, I, I did my MBA at the University of British Columbia, absolutely loved it, really fell in love with what business education can do for your career, uh, for the way that you think about problems, for your professional network, for your personal network. And it's really become a, a topic that I'm, I'm really passionate about. 
And the second one is this idea of, of the gig economy, which I think is a pervasive topic that's affecting all of our lives, whether it be from a work perspective or a personal perspective. And this is also something that, that I've been really interested in digging into. Now, you know, with, with that being said, everything that I'm, I'm saying here, Edwin, is really from my perspective. And mm-hmm. it, doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't represent what Willis Towers Watson's views are on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, as a consulting firm, we have a point of view on, on what we talk about. Um, but a lot of the stuff on education specifically are, are really my views and, and not powers watson so I, I just want to make that clear no perfect well i appreciate that and definitely definitely um it's a good idea it shows leadership in terms of uh putting it out there because you never know what people may think and do that but uh so why 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 do you think uh personally that uh, we need to rethink business education at this point and, and really what's going to be the impact on the graduates or the organizations well, there's some really interesting discussion out there right now, particularly because when you look at business education, a few things. Number one, MBA applications have actually been falling um, over the past uh, few years, and, and mostly that's been in the States, definitely, I believe, in Canada as well. Um, and the reason for that is is because the, the value of the degree is changing. People are, are increasingly be able to get jobs maybe without having the degree becoming increasingly expensive and also the needs of organizations these days are definitely changing so when you think about mba education particularly the the idea of mba education is you get a crash course in general management and you Mm -hmm. can specialize in certain aspects of of a business let's say i I specialize in strategy and finance a lot a lot of times now companies are really looking for specific technical skill sets with that smart and savvy problem-solving ability, but they're definitely looking for a lot more technical-based skills uh, that, that are complemented by a holistic thought process that traditional business education doesn't necessarily give you unless you have a program that you know teaches you financial modeling or um, kind of linear programming and operations management and, and things of that nature. So so what, it, what I'm hearing is um, and I'm just trying to wrap my head around like that technical aspect that organizations are looking for. Are, are you thinking now that they sort of want to mix between that business education and and maybe that hands-on technical work or certifications that maybe the college degrees may uh, college certif- certifications might have? Yeah. So if if you think about it, some of the most rapidly in-demand skills these days are around data analytics and data science, for example. And uh, when, when you're in business school, usually you're not learning R and Python and mm-hmm. analytics dashboards, unless you have a really technology-focused program. And, and some of these schools do, so I, I don't want to knock them if, if they don't. Of course. Um, but it's definitely a really focus on things like stats and, and being able to understand uh, cluster analysis, probability, re- linear regressions, or logistic regressions, um, understanding data really well. Mm-hmm. And that's not usually a huge part of an MBA, particularly. An MBA really teaches you how to think about problems strategically, holistically, from a number of different perspectives across different functions of an organization. It teaches you how to work in groups. It teaches you to really question your assumptions. And it definitely teaches you a lot about finance, strategy, marketing, and operations on a, right. a general management level. But it doesn't teach you really in-depth, specific technical skills on on things that I just mentioned. 
Right, right. A quick shout out to our main man in TO who just said he's tuning in from London, Ontario. What's up, Pete? Uh, happy to have you join us. Yeah, no, it, it's it's really interesting. Um, I remember personal story, quick story I want to share. Maybe like ten years ago, Aubrey. I remember I was like in the sort of the crossroads of my entrepreneurship life, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I need to jump in and do an MBA. You know get that management training or get that strategic training in when my business partner at the time, the one that I launched slingshot with, he was like, Edwin, let's, why don't we just build a business <laughs> and you, you can get your own crash course in MBA and management and, and every, every section of that. And, uh, I was like, yeah, that's actually a good idea. Not that I knew idea, you know, I had no idea what I would, what I would be missing as an MBA, but I, of course, me being an entrepreneur, I said, Oh yeah, that actually makes sense. Not that, uh, not that that's the easy road either, <laughs> but it, <laughs> but it's uh, but it'd be interesting for sure. Um, so I guess curious for it, it. It makes me curious for you know adapting to these demands that business have for. I guess I don't know if it's for tomorrow anymore, Aubrey. It could even be for now. Like, how can we better? How can we be better at uh, building talent networks now for? Uh, I guess for businesses and and for everyone else. Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's a challenge that a lot of companies are dealing with where, you know, we, we kind of think about it from a skill. We live in a skills economy. I mean, at the end of the day, mm -hmm. um, skills are, are really important. You know, our RBC actually published a really cool report a couple months ago called Humans Wanted that basically talks about the skills that need to be in demand that are in demand for you know, today and, and the coming generations with AI and, uh, and robotic process automation and all these things coming into the workforce, the way that we do it is is really by understanding how to make these skills and these skill development avenues more accessible to people and practically accessible. So for uh, for example, um, I was talking to, to the head of data science at a, at a company the other day mm -hmm. about you know how do people really show themselves to be a strong Data scientist, and a lot of the time when you think about that, you'll go, okay, well, I've got to go to school for statistics, and I've got to get all these certifications and whatnot. Right. And the thing that he said was, the projects and the problems that you solve are a lot more interesting and helpful to an employer than you know the fact that you might have six or seven letters at the end of your name. And you're seeing a lot of these platforms, like let's say LinkedIn, for example, when they bought Linda. Uh, com, which is an educational training platform. I, re I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a. I personally love LinkedIn for a lot of different reasons, but when I saw mm. that move, I thought it was brilliant because what they're really doing is providing an avenue for anyone to pick up the skills that they need to be successful in their current job or their new job. And when you look at the, the training and development industry in general, it's a multi-hundred billion dollar business that's going to be really important for helping to build these new networks of talent and get people the skills that they need to be successful. The challenge will be with a lot of organizations is that how do you do that in the context of your everyday job and your everyday life when in reality you have a day job, you have to learn new stuff. I think that's the biggest challenge that a lot of companies are going to face. And there's a few companies that are doing some interesting things right now to help try and solve that because it's a really important issue for our time. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, you you mentioned a number of things in terms of the challenges because I know I know there are a couple of studies in terms of you know the future of work 
when it was associated with like artificial intelligence and how things are going to change and the organizations that need to prepare for this, you know, is really up leveling their organization. So the developers become more designers and the, uh, you know, the pay, um, let's say the accountants become more uh, um, consultants and, and it keeps moving up like that. So, do you think in terms of like that retooling or that recertification or that re-education, is this where the big challenges are within organizations? And and by the way, what's up, Kristen? For thanks for tuning in. Yeah, absolutely. And uh and I think that that's the million dollar question. It's on the yeah. on the back of the the challenges that we're facing from a work workforce perspective and a reskilling perspective are going to be massive from way that artificial intelligence is, is going to change the way we work. So for an example, AT&T, the, the big US telecom, they've, they've undergone a, a billion dollar investment in retraining their workforce. And what they're doing is they're trying to get people into skills and professions that are already employed within their company um, by using platforms that help develop skills. So for example, they have a strategic partnership with a company called Udacity which is really about digital and technical skills to help bring people who are in more traditional transactionally task-based jobs into more uh, highly skilled, highly valued jobs. And, and there's a really great article that Fortune put out, I think a few months ago, that really chronicles that journey where you have people who work at AT&T who are wanting to maybe change out of their roles or they see that their role might become eliminated because of artificial intelligence or workforce automation and they help them transition into new roles. Now, it's not an easy process by any means. There's lots of work that's involved. People have to work outside of their day job, obviously, to transition. But they have a strategy around, we have a, a workforce that knows our business, knows our technology, knows our industry. Why would we try to get rid of them in lieu of more people who have these skills already? Why don't we just reskill them and retrain them? And, and I think that's going to be a big discussion that a lot of companies are going to have to deal with. Oh, yeah, no, that, that's that's an amazing article. I'm actually trying to search it so I can share it with the, uh, with the listeners out there on, on, on the page. And, and that's super important. And, and, and I think it's also providing your organization, your resources, your team, you know, the employees with, with new, new life learning. And, and being excited about what might what may be around the corner and, and being part of the solution, right? It's super important to to think about that. And I'm I'm sure when you correct me if I'm wrong, Aubrey, um, that article may have talked about maybe some of the talent or maybe scared of losing their jobs or or doing that things. But before before I we, we head over, I just want to let you know if you're just tuning in live, um, we're talking about. In, in a nutshell, we're talking about the future of work and how, you know, business education may need to change, how organizations need to change, and 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 really talking about, you know, thinking about the gig economy as well, just throwing that in there, because that's also a fact for people in the workforce who are looking for other things to do as a side hustle or whatnot. So if you have any questions, if you are living or a professional, these love to hear questions from you. Any thoughts, just type it in right in the browser. Um, I just, I have a quick question, Aubrey. So why, why talent is at the heart of organizations agility and how, how rethinking organization, organization learning can help our businesses become more agile. 
Well, that's a that's a another million dollar question, which is kind of funny. In that, Edwin, you know, I, I recently um, did my Scrum Master certification and and learned a lot, and I'm learning a lot about this whole idea of agile. Um, organizational agility is is such a hot topic on a lot of people's uh, agendas, and we all kind of want to know in in the environment that we're living in, how do we make our businesses more flexible? Mm-hmm. And that's a really tough question because it involves so many different things. When you really boil it down to the common denominator of all of this, it comes down to an organization's people. And it's funny because when I was doing my Scrum Master certification, I learned a lot about the, the, the Scrum development team and how the flexibility of their skill set ultimately allows them to, develop, to, to ship software quickly, um, have a team that has all the skills needed to develop those product increments and what have you. That is the key. Uh, your your company's talent and your skills of your people and how they can learn and adapt as quickly as possible have been cited again and again as the key driver to helping a business be agile. Now, when you think about our companies these days, there's a lot of challenges there, of course, because you have existing systems and structures in place that are usually geared for things like predictability, risk management, um, and all those kinds of things, it's going to have to come down to how do we rewrite the way that our companies operate, focus on these things like continuous learning, enabling people to be on projects and not necessarily specific lines of work all the time. And, And it's an interesting evolution that is at the heart of what organizational agility really means. Yeah, no. I mean, it's, 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 it's super interesting. And, and I was, uh, I was thinking to myself, man, a lot of listeners may not even know what a scrum master is. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're talking a little gibberish there, but I mean, in a nutshell, like for those who are listening and and I have a computer engineering background, not that I learned the agility or ever developed since I left code, but I mean, (laughs) I totally understand. And I work with developers. It's just the ability to really move fast. Right. And I think Aubrey, I think organizations are really taking for what was learned in software development and trying to move that. And, and that's what I'm hearing, right? And tr- trying to really move that across the organization and how things are moving quickly and, and moving that way uh, and um, how, how to implement it everywhere else, right? Oh, for sure. The funny thing is that the, the Agile Manifesto, I think, was written in, in 2001. And it really talked about this whole idea of, how do you develop software quickly with the, the, the technical specifications that meet customer needs and, and add a lot of value, not only to their, their businesses, but ultimately to their, to their lives. And that's one of the main ideas of, of the Agile Manifesto. And a lot of companies with the environment that we're in now and, and people too, I mean, this isn't just necessarily reserved for, for large organizations, is that they're trying to think about in this environment that we operate in, mm-hmm. it's changing very quickly. How do we adapt and re- remain agile? And it's it's something that when people look at the Agile Manifesto, they look at things like Scrum, they look at all these agile software development frameworks, which are really geared towards being adaptive and be able to inspect what you're doing and adapt to those things. It's really resonating with a lot of people, and I can totally see why. No, for sure, for sure. So as we talk about businesses changing, obviously, um, you know, the resources, the talent pool, 
the mentality that's out there is changing as well. I mean, we, we need to th- rethink how this gig economy is happening. You know, what's the implications at work? And and I'm sure, Aubrey, maybe you have you within your organization or maybe even within your your circle of friends. Um, they're getting into this into this gig economy. So, really, w- what's happening with the with work and well being and and the economy as well? Uh, I, I we have a question as well from uh, from Pete, but we'll we'll get to that uh, in a second. Pete, thanks thanks for the question. Cool. Yeah, I, I see the question now, Pete. So, looking forward to uh, to answering that one. Um, so, there's lots of implications. The, the challenge with the gig economy is twofold. I, I think that a couple of years ago when I think it was, I'm actually not sure who coined the term the gig economy, but when it was first coined, had a lot of people really scared about this whole idea of full-time work just completely dissolving around us, us being contractors for the rest of our lives. And this whole idea that companies can just basically be a tinder for the work that you need to do to a large extent, um, and, and you don't have any stability. There's been a, a bunch of research studies that organizations like the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and, and I believe the World Economic Forum have done around the gig economy. And The Economist actually wrote an article recently about this. The gig economy isn't going to be as challenging and as worrisome as we think it might be, at least for now. It's still definitely a challenge. And, and I'm not necessarily talking about the, the Ubers, the Lyfts of the world, the folks who you know can do that kind of work. I'm talking about more work that is really highly skilled and is more let's say project based where companies are thinking well do we actually need to hire these people on full time um, what are the implications of that on our pnls on the actual workload that we have if our work is unpredictable it might make sense to just hire contractors instead of hiring full-time employees and that makes sense from an organizational agility perspective to a certain point it's just I think that we need to be more clear as to how we think about the broader implications of that. If the, the Economist, for example, or the Bureau of Labor Statistics are are wrong and companies are really moving to an all gig economy workforce, there's definitely some important implications that we have to think about. Yeah, I mean it's it's super interesting, and I am, you know, within my circle, I I, I know a lot of people who you know have a full time job and they're trying to work on the work on work on the side. Whether it's just a you know a hobbyist job or or you know a lifestyle brand, and, and then I also had funny enough I had a discussion a, a live podcast episode a couple of weeks ago on if you're a manager how do you manage your team yeah you know if you you know do you, knowing that they want these passions on the side or not anyways I, I'm super interested to always revisit this gig gig economy because it's you know it's really it's really opening it up. People want more flexibility in their lives. They want, you know, they want the security of a job, especially if it's a job they like and they're really passionate mm-hmm. about, right? Um, and you know, and why not have something on the side? So, if you're just joining us, we were just talking about the implica- implications of the gig economy, how it changes things. Um, um, if you have any other questions, definitely, definitely uh, let us know within the questions uh, in, within the browser itself. But there's a question here from Pete, our main man in TO. Um, Aubrey, I know you see the questions there. So basically, he's talking about the rise of paraeducation organizations. You know, these are the organizations that offer some type of course or certifications, you know, with tips that are invested, you know. So I guess he's looking for any tips for those out there that may be considering upskilling themselves 
and taking a course? Well, Pete, to, to your, your question, I think it really depends on what you're looking to do a lot of the time and, and what your ultimate end goal is. There, there's a lot of different courses out there that can be helpful from different points of view and where you are and the skills that you want to develop and also from what your lifestyle is at the moment um, and what you can do from a, a flexibility perspective. Um, there's lots of, let's say, these coding boot camps, for example, that will say that they'll, they'll teach you how to code and become a software developer in 12 weeks or something. Mm -hmm. that number up. Um, and I think those kinds of things, you have to go in with a certain level of expectation setting because when you think about a course trying to fit a whole skill set in a point of 12 weeks, you, you might have to just ask yourself some questions as to whether or not that's a realistic thing. You will definitely gain some skills and how to code and, and understand that. But to do one of those boot camps and to go be a software developer right off the bat, making $100,000 a year, I've spent a lot of time talking to tech recruiters about that stuff specifically who, who deal with these folks on a frequent basis. And that's, that's not usually the case. There's really no quick way to learn something other than putting the time in, to be honest. From a vetting perspective, just more specifically to your question, um, first of all, start with your network. Uh, ask people who you know who have taken courses. Ask them if they've, they've heard of the content, if they've done it themselves. I think that's a really great place to start. A second great place to start is to really understand and if you have one specific goal in mind with the course, reach out to some recruiters or reach out to some people who you know who are in recruiting or hiring managers or people who are looking for those types of skills and ask them, hey, you know what? I'm thinking of taking a course uh, at X um, school or, or coding boot camp or whatever. Have you heard of the program? Do you know anyone that's done it? Have, are they working for you? Um, just ask some outside opinions. A lot of these programs are really good at marketing and they're not as good as really being transparent about what you're getting and what the, the outcomes are. So, so I think those are some really hopefully helpful tips that you go and implement. Yeah. To ask people who are hiring for the kind of skills that you're, you're looking to get and then also just be very critical about what you're seeing. And when you're talking to uh, the admissions advisors, ask some very pointed questions around, around that. I think that's the best way to start. I mean, I just want to add too, Aubrey, those those are really, really important. And, and when it comes to technical type courses, I would even look at the look at the managing team of that uh, that that the organization or who put it together. Who are these instructors? Where do they come from? How much years of experience do they have specifically <laughs> yeah. doing these type of roles, right? And then lastly, because there are very good boot camps out there and they're really expensive. Cause I I, I mean I have a friend that did like a crazy 12 week, exactly what you said, a 12 week program, you know, Delva program. And, but this was out in San Francisco and he ended up, you know, like being tops in his class and ended up getting paid a high paying job. But I mean, he might be the exception to the rule, but uh, you want to talk to the alumni. You want to see where did they go? You know, if, if this is a reputable um, program, they'll be happy to share the people that went through, through the program where they're working now, where did it go? And they probably did videos on it, right? So it's really, really asking them about that. Um, but ultimately, uh, yeah, it's. I'm not going to say buyers beware, but definitely do do your homework on that type of stuff. But uh, definitely great question. Appreciate that, Pete. Um, if you are just joining us live, we were just talking about um, taking different courses 
and how do you vet the courses that are out there if you're trying to upskill um, with the changing environment of business, um, gig economy, everything. Uh, we're just slowly wrapping up. So if you have any final last questions, um, definitely just throw it into the browser. Um, we'd love to hear it, hear from you live. And if you're listening to this on the replay, feel free to shout out to um, reach out to myself. Aubrey will definitely get uh, some coordinates where we could catch him after the after the show. But Aubrey, great conversation. You know, you and I, we always have a good good chat on 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 things. I guess more of the millennial emerging business leaders maybe <laughs> experiencing. And I think I think it's an important conversation, right? Because because things are changing now. People who are going into leadership roles are, you know, the older millennials now. They're getting into these type of roles. And they may be, uh, you know, paving the way or changing the way things things are thought of in the past, right? So I'd like to get any final tips from you, Aubrey, on, on this topic. Anything you'd love to share for anyone who is listening to the show today? Yeah, so I think that the first tip that I would say is always be someone who's just hungry to learn. And I think that in today's environment, if you're not doing that, on a constant basis, then you're going to be in trouble. And I don't want to make that sound alarmist, but just the <laughs> way that, that the world is moving. Um, and it's not really just to be say that you always have to be working because no one wants to be always working. It's more of just be curious about what's going on in the world and think about what the market needs in terms of skills, what you like to do, what your organization might need, and, and really think about where should I spend my my discretionary time in trying to learn a new skill. And when it comes back to those kind of boot camps, you know, find one that's good and go to it because there's lots of really good ones out there, like you mentioned, Edwin, um, that really do provide great skills training. Mm -hmm. um, and once you find them, go and do them. I mean, get your, see if you can get your company to pay for it um, and invest the time and going to do it. Maybe don't watch The Bachelor on, you know, as much as you do or... <laughs> You know, just think about the, the trade-offs that you're making or how you spend your time. I think that's the first one. The second one is don't be afraid of technology. And, and I think that there's lots of narratives out there right now about technology taking all of our jobs and us not having anything to do. And having spoken with a lot of tech leaders myself, and, and I run my own blog as well, uh, much like you run your own podcast, Edwin, that technology is really a tool and we as a as a people and, and a human society have the ability to shape what that technology will do and look like it's also important to be mindful of how that technology is shaping jobs that we do so if, if you go back to your office today and take a look at the work that you do and see that a lot of it is repetitive uh, and independent kind of work there's a good chance that technology might, might be impacting your job at some point so it's a good chance to just take a step back and say okay what are the skills that i need to be successful in the world of work um tomorrow i think the last one is just read there's lots of really good research out there from a lot of different organizations talking about the world of work and the future of work for good reason it generates a lot of buzz and, and a lot of people are talking about it just consciously read and ask yourself you know where am i in this spectrum and when you do that to start to understand what the skills are for the future, where your skills are relative to those skills are, and then uncover some opportunities that you might be able to develop yourself into a more 
niche-based market or develop a new skill set that could be useful to your company. Um, and uh, and it'd be, it's a really great exercise to do on an ongoing basis that will help you ultimately be more successful, be happier, and get ahead of all this workforce automation, world of work changes, gig economy kind of stuff that is really the reality in 2008 and 2018, 2019 coming up. Yeah, no, it's it's exciting times. I'm excited. Um, I don't think there's an, I don't think there's anything to be scared of. I think all of us are already using a lot of these uh, quote unquote automation tools in our in our everyday life, right? So, uh, I mean, why not make our jobs easier? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a lot of this stuff is really just to make our work more human. At the end of the day, that's um, right. I know a lot of companies who are trying to figure out what the repetitive stuff is that, you know, none of us really like to do, uh, get rid of it, maybe have uh, a robotic process automation piece of technology do it. And that frees up people who are already employed to do more proactive strategic work. And that's honestly more human. It's more creative. The skills that you need are a little bit different. And, and it's more fun. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> like having fun at work, right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, it's, it's a definitely an evolution, but uh, just keep your keep your eyes and ears open and just be curious and, and keep learning. No, for sure. For sure. Aubrey, before before we end, I'd love it if you could let us know where we could find more information about you. I, I actually put your blog. Uh, I dropped the blog into the comments below, but how we get more information about you, how we could get in contact with you or anything else you'd like to share with us today. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for doing that, Edwin. That's, uh, that's awesome. And I appreciate you sharing blog um the goal of that blog just so for those who are listening is to take the knowledge insights of, of passionate young leaders and, and business leaders so that anyone can use it to harness their own goals and it's very similar to what edwin is doing except i have a passion for writing so i, I wanted to write um, for anyone that wants to get in touch with me feel free to reach out on linkedin i love connecting with people um, and, and generating a conversation. Um, just make sure that you're writing me a note so I know who you are and, <laughs> and, uh, and whatnot. Um, that's a that's a big LinkedIn for me is that if someone doesn't write me a note, I have no idea kind of what they're asking for or how I can really help. So um, it's challenging to connect with someone that way. And I think the last you know parting word is that you know Edwin, kudos to you for for doing these kinds of conversations and your podcast because there's so much knowledge out there that you can tap into from your network. And it's really a matter of asking. And I think what you're really doing is being able to capture that and share it with people for their for their benefit. So um so so look for opportunities to add value to other people's lives and that's the, really the best way to network. No, no for perfect. Well thank you. Thank you for that, Aubrey. I, I really appreciate it. I'm obviously enjoying enjoying the process as well and enjoying sharing and connecting with amazing individuals like yourself. But Aubrey, again, it was a pleasure. Thank you again for taking the time to co-host uh, with me today. Absolutely a pleasure as always, Edwin. Uh, it's, it's great to be on, great to to chat with you and nothing better than doing it on a wonderful Friday. Yeah, and we'll definitely we'll definitely uh make a point to get you back on in the near future. Would absolutely love to. Have a great weekend, Aubrey. You too. Take care, sir. Bye. So the business leadership. Thank you for listening to the business leadership podcast live. It's an almost daily show. Um, be sure to catch it every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, typically at eleven Eastern time. Um, and if you haven't done so yet, as Aubrey alluded to, I have. I do have a podcast as well where I interview business leaders 
um, to talk about their personal journey when it came to business leadership, their experiences, you know, the hardships, the challenges, and their successes. It's called the Business Leadership Podcast. New episode drops every Tuesday. You could catch it on iHeartRadio, Spotify, or iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. But that's a wrap, everyone. Happy Friday. Have a fantastic weekend. Edwin signing off.